Beziehung ist langsam und Hi everyone. Today I'm very glad to introduce uh, Maria Andrews from Cisco. Her professional credentials are comprised of 20 years of experience in engineering, Department of Defense Solutions for Hardware, Software, PKI, and Network Systems. She has multiple patents and has co-authored protected documents around cybersecurity and other confidential solutions in the security area. Today she will be talking about intelligent uh, cyber uh, security. Thank you. So today, today we're going to discuss improving outcomes with services. Here with me is a senior here at Purdue, Sean Gladden, um, and he's one of our top analysts, so it's going to be exciting to hear him speak today as well to the audience here. Absolutely. So just some quick oversight in regards to um, information security. The digital evolution, where you have the digital company, and the Internet of Everything, is which, which is where Cisco solely operates in IoT. So the Internet of Everything is really the mother of all markets and transitions. Moving on in the digital evolution, we have the digital company, where you see the mobile, 14%, cloud, 5 to 10, and then you have IoT, which is 90%. So what happens when this is all out there for everyone to access? You have security challenges. You need to change some business models, some dynamic threat landscape, and also some complexity and fragmentation. Within those, you'll see Sorry, I wanted to walk out to the screen. <laughs> Within those, you'll see um, the different areas and how they rate for each of the three areas we spoke about earlier. Most of our threats are hidden in plain sight. The number one biggest threat in pretty much any um, area, agency, or company would probably be insider threat. So you have a lot of the companies nowadays have you bring in BYOD to where you sync it to your um, company network. Um, but you, most of them should give you the option to where they will remove uh, all your data, even if it is your own device, uh, since it's connected to their network. Some of the security silos complicate protection. Reason being is the way they lay out the different various services that can actually help them in assisting and providing against any types of threats. So this is our Cisco hypothesis, where you have the digital evolution, operational focus, talent shortage, and they go across all these various business units, visibility, threat, platform, advisory, integration, and managed. These are some examples of where our intelligence come from and how much we really see. So there's daily security intelligence. Go ahead. Oh, go back. There we go. You guys see that? That's a pretty significant amount. 
of data. The security services portfolio between advisory, integration, and managed services shows you the various areas and how each one is unique. Some of the security advisories, we have risk and compliance, IOE security, and then we also have threat management. Our incident response services, we have an amazing incident response uh, service team as well as uh, all the other teams involved. Uh, they're the first ones, like any um, emergency essential personnel, to triage anything that comes into the, into, that we ingest uh, to verify. Some of the integrated security solutions with integration, migration, and optimization. Those are some of the different areas that, <laughs> yeah, some of the different areas that we're able to communicate with um, depending on the hardware and some, of course, our hardware and the different things that we can connect. Product support, hosted security, and managed security where you have your advanced threat analytics. So this is the time to put your glasses on. So with ATA, we have analytics, people, intelligence, and technology. ATA is a, is a variety of things. Um, within the ATA that we operate in within the Security Operations Center, we do a variety of things. This shows you how in each realm for analytics, people, technology, and, and intelligence, where we may gather and um, correlate this information. So what it enables, ATA, which is us, we enable speed, accuracy, and focus. So we give you the ability for rapid threat detection reduces the mean time to respond. Um, high fidelity cuts down on false positives. And then increased visibility and control illuminates security blind spots. Within that, many of our customers receive many benefits. Uh, some of those, um, comprehensive coverage, strategic focus, uh, customer relations, risk mitigation, and proactive security. So some of the scalable sets that are out there uh, for the different clients uh, can be an essentials, enhanced, and a premier package. Um, the different, the different various ones give you different levels and enhanced security. Some, at a, another step, give you intrusion prevention system, um, some monitoring your modules, uh, adding in different equipment. So it depends on what you're looking at for your network and how you want to have a redundant backup and or some sort of security backup for it. Let's start with the threat landscape. Yeah. All right, I guess it's my turn. Um, so for the threat landscape, we have 19.7 billion total threat blocks daily, which is 7.2 trillion yearly, where, as you can see on the graph, or on the little pie chart, 82,000 virus blocks, 181 million spyware blocks, 818 million web blocks, which, since I'm an analytics, I'm a member of our analytics personnel, my job is to actually filter through all this. So what we end up doing is, 
on our system, it flags all these different threats, then it hits the 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 analyst, excuse me, it hits the analysts, and then it's up to us in order to filter out what's a false positive, what's a true positive, and then escalate it as necessary. That true positive, is it something that got blocked by the customer's firewall, or was it something that got through the firewall and got onto a system? We if, have an example. Our Talos multi-tiered defense. Talos is an organization within Cisco that does a lot of our security research. So they're on the bleeding edge of what the scariest stuff out there is. So you'll hear a term called zero day, which is a vulnerability that has not been released, especially by the companies that, that have them. So a zero day in Adobe, that's something that's very common, unfortunately, is an Adobe vulnerability that Adobe doesn't know of, it's unaware of. Talos is on the bleeding edge of figuring those out. And they're divided into these five departments. Each department is integral into what Talos does. So the threat intelligence, that's what I was just talking about, where they're the ones who are actively trying to figure out these zero days. They see new malware. They break it down. Detection research, they find what are called our indicators of compromise. So if a system is infected with something, what about it gives away the infection? Does it have a pop-up? Does it do some something weird on the network? That's an indicator of compromise. Outreach, they're the people who will go out and talk to the leaders of our organizations, tell them what the newest threat is. They'll go, if they find a zero day, they're the ones who go to Adobe and say, hey, you have a zero day. Here's what it is. Here's how you fix it. Vulnerability R&D, they're just basically wrapped into the threat intelligence. So they're the ones that are actively trying to find and create malware in order to try to block it. And then our engine development, so that's the intelligence systems, web and email intelligence. They're the ones who are doing our sandboxes. So a lot of this malware has gotten very, very smart and knows that we're trying to figure out it's there. So we create a sandbox, basically a fake computer, or if you're familiar with it, a virtual machine. And we let the malware do its job, and we watch it. We have our intelligence framework. So our intelligence feeds are common things you've probably heard of. Whitelist, blacklist, known IP addresses and domains for malware, DNS. So the common things that you would see around. Industry specific, that would be partners and customers. So the customers that we do our work with, we work very closely with in order to make sure, hey, if you see something strange, you let us know about it. If we find some intelligence, we'll let you know about it. So we work very, very closely with the customers. Open source. VirusTotal, Malware.com, Hybrid Analysis, these are all websites you can go to and see, hey, what are the indicators of compromise for this? Or I've got this suspicious file. So you throw it on there, and they do the sandboxing for you. Cisco Unique Intelligence, our source fire, which is our uh, IDS system, very good. Very, very good at catching bad stuff going through a network. We have ThreatGrid, which is our proprietary sandbox. Talos, which is the organization that I talked about a few slides ago. OpenDNS, uh, I think that was last year or two years ago we acquired OpenDNS. I believe so. Uh, there is a public version and a private version. The private version costs money. The public version is still OpenDNS, free for everyone to use. And then our threat information platform. So we have our internal 
BU data, our focused feeds and intelligence, so what we get off of the customers, we'll do the number crunching on it and find anything new. So Telus likes to pride themselves on finding a lot of this ransomware and being able to mitigate it. So a lot of you might have heard of Locky or Cryptex or a lot of these uh, bad ransomwares that have been floating around that basically lock up your systems and hold them hostage. What was the last ransomware anyone heard of? That a hospital wasn't involved with ransomware? Do you know what the name of that ransomware was? That's okay. It's fine. Probably not a whole lot. Um, Sam Sam. That was the big the big campaign. It was Sam Sam, and then there's actually recently been a lot another Lockheed campaign. So that vertical, the health industry vertical, is a very, very common big target for ransomware campaigns because it has PII exactly personal identifiable information so and the the trick for ransomware is they don't steal the info they don't even look at it they just encrypt it and say give us a million dollars or you don't get it back <laughs> and the hospitals are going to pay for two reasons one they need that information to operate and two they don't want anybody to know they were compromised right. so they're gonna pay so Talos will go out and actively try to crack the malware so they're going to try to find the decryption keys and try to save these hospitals money. So the back, the back side of our source fireboxes are Snort. And Snort is a preprocessor that looks at traffic as it goes through, does some very initial number crunching. Uh, how many of you are familiar with Regex or that concept? Nice. It's basically a super powerful version of that. So it's doing it on the wire on the fly. And we give it rules to recognize certain regex in the packets. And the malware writers can get pretty, pretty involved in trying to dupe it. So instead of writing a character, they'll write it in hex, or they'll write it in HTML. So the snort rules will figure that out. Same thing with our clam AB signature family. So you can do signature-based, so a hash. You take the, the malware file, turn it into a hash. That hash is a signature. And you just do signature recognition, which can be fairly quick, because once you've got the hash, it's just a lookup. We have our analysis overview, so our, our architecture. We have our full packets. And this is part of what makes Cisco's active threat analytics very, very powerful, is we have access to full packet capture to our premier customers. Not all of our customers give it, give it to us, but the Premier side, they do, and that's how we do a lot of our analysis, because once we have full PCAP, we can do a lot with it. It's a lot of PCAP data. Yes. So one of our customers, I think a full day's worth of PCAP is like on the order of 50 to 100 terabytes, depending upon the customer. Can you explain what PCAP is? How sure. Like so a PCAP is a packet capture. So how many of you are familiar with what a packet is? OK, awesome. so fair number of you. So what we're doing is we're watching the wire for these packets. We're actively looking for it. And the way that an IDS works, excuse me, IPS, is we'll split off a line from the customer's network and do it in parallel, where one of the line goes to where it's supposed to go, out to the ISP. The branch off the parallel goes into our IPS, and we look at what goes through it. 
and we'll capture that data and store it for one of our customers, actually for two of our customers. We'll store it for an amount of time that's uh, feasible for that's, the client. That's what I was just about to say, was <laughs> we have two clients where we get so much PCAP that we have to dump the data after about a day. Right. Other clients have much less traffic where we can store it for a few days. And that could be something based on what part of the network we're looking at. Absolutely. You mentioned blacklists and that you analyze. Use your mic, please. Use your mic, please. Mm, yeah, it's here. Yeah, it, it's working. Yeah, I wanted to ask about anonymous network store. So you see the packet comes from nowhere and the source IP is masked, then how so, do you analyze it? So Tor network nodes are known. There's a list of them. And we're not ultimately looking at the, not necessarily the destination, but we can flag that it's from a Tor network, which on our customers, Tor node traffic is anomalous. So we're going to take a look at it. If it's encrypted, there's only so much we can do with it, which I think might be the source of your question, is if it's encrypted traffic. Yeah, there's only so much we can do with it. But there's a lot of metadata involved with that that could be... Forensically identified to right. need for the need. So basically, we could ferret out if it's a Tor node within their network. So we see the last node and then out to the destination. Is that destination a known bad? Yes or no? Or even more simply, are you seeing Tor node traffic on a production network? So you've got, I'm just going to use an example like Caterpillar. So if you see Tor node traffic on Caterpillar, that's not right. That's anomalous. So we can flag it and get to the source of it. But a lot of the really bad stuff, so for example, botnets, right. will use IRC traffic. And IRC traffic is not normally encrypted. Additionally, if you're on IRC traffic, that's going to be anomalous, and we can flag that. Hmm? Any yeah. more questions? So when you say like uh, <clears throat> something anomalous happens, what's the process like that you start looking into and whether it should be flagged or not? Uh, what kind of things? Excellent question. So going along with this slide is uh, based on the telemetry we have in the customer's network and the rules we've set in place, we'll determine whether or not traffic is anomalous. And that's based on negotiations with the customer. They'll say, this is the network we have. This is what we define as anomalous and we'll write rules to flag it. And then, for example, if we have a customer that's got two separate networks, for example, Purdue has a guest network and a production, production network, the guest network will be looked at differently than the production network, and we'll have different rules flagged against it. And certain customers will... I need you to make sure you hold your mic up, too. Got it. Thank you. Well, also, for example, on the guest network, the customer might tell us to use less rules because it's the guest network. They're anticipating certain things to happen on it or to ignore certain events. Whereas on a production network, they're going to say, we don't want to see any traffic to Facebook. That Facebook will be flagged as anomalous traffic, mm -hmm. and that's because the customer wants it flagged as such. So it's ultimately up to the customer to determine what's anomalous and what isn't, aside from the obvious 
oh, this is botnet traffic or this is ransomware traffic. We do send out reports and let them know what's out there so they can be aware. But certain networks just don't block certain things, so they have to have them open. Mm -hmm. No problem. Any other questions? So when you say you work through all those PCAP files, it, it's both both ways traffic, so incoming look, as well as outgoing, right? We look at PCAP traffic that's not only inbound and outgoing, but we also look at inter-network traffic. So you'll have networks within the company that are communicating with each other, and we also look at that. And that's defined as north-south and east-west traffic. North-south is outbound to the internet or something external to the, to the network. East-west traffic is internal to the network. So we'll watch both north-south and east-west traffic to see, oh, this is going to a weird website, or hey, this computer looks like it's trying to infect another computer on its network. Any more? That's a good question. Good question. Okay, so from the slide you can see our different methods of telemetry and intel, which are basically the ones that I went over earlier. So we'll have our ATA sensors, our Cisco products, the internal events, so things that get flagged by their firewalls, things that get flagged by the pieces of hardware we install, which is the job of integration. They'll actually go out and stick server units in the customer's network to help guard it. And then all this will be ingested, stored, searched. Basically, we're parsing the data in order to make it readable. Because if you send terabytes of data at the analyst, they're just going to think, I have no time to do this. Oh. No, so we have to actually parse it at least somewhat. And we use different tools that will actually crunch the data and parse it into something readable. Uh, our favorite tool is, of course, Wireshark. Wireshark is awesome. <laughs> and then our analytic functions would be hunts, deterministic analyses, parse and normalize it, which is all just fancy terms to say we have people that sit there and watch the data. Hunts and plays. So what a hunt and a play are is completely different from what we do on a normal day. And by normal day, I mean we sit and watch traffic. So what normally will happen is something happens on the customer network our devices flag it and send us a ticket. And we'll look at the ticket, we'll parse it, we'll go through it, tell the customer, yes, this is bad, fix it, or no, this isn't bad, ignore it. What a hunt is are things that we know are either not being caught by our device, something we just learned from Intel, or something that we're getting kind of sparse readings on, and we'll go out and actively look in the customer network for it. We'll go pull down their PCAPs, we'll go through their data, look for indicators of compromise, and we're going out of our way to go and try to find these things for them. And a play is, for example, email. So email campaigns, I don't know if you guys are familiar with phishing campaigns where people try to get in with a fake email or what have you. We'll go looking for those. We'll also get emails where people in the company have been emailed bad files. They're ransomware. They've been emailed them and they get flagged. So we'll go through those. There, those are our email plays. Or security operations. 
So it all focuses around our SOC, which we have our primary SOC is in RTP in North Carolina. We just opened one in Krakow, Poland. Um, I actually do a one-on-one with our SOC in Japan. Mm -hmm. And we had one in Australia. I think that one got shut down. And I believe we're going to set up, we're going to set up something in England. I know we just, we just acquired. It's in the pipeline. Yeah, we just acquired uh, Porcullis. So something is, something is coming for them. Yes. Uh, what is a SOC? Because I don't think it's a system on a chip. Correct. Our SOC is our security operations center. So think of those kind of. Um, think of uh, um, Star Wars. And you have the captain's room, right, where everyone's on the bridge. On the bridge, everyone has their assigned duties. Captain has what he needs up on the screen. And you take your commands as needed. Everyone's a colleague, of course, and everyone talks to each other. But sometimes they come in, and it's like this, that, this, that, move. So it's a security operations center, and that's exactly how it operates. How, how ours is divided is we'll have, we have three different ranks of people. We have tier one analysts, tier two analysts, and investigators. Each tier being a build upon the next one. So tier one is the baseline. That's what I am. I'm the first line of defense. I find something anomalous where I think, hey, this, this is bad, and I think it made it onto the customer network. I give it to the tier two. Tier two guy gets the file, blows it up, verifies that it's bad, says, okay, yeah, it's bad, and it got downloaded. So he bumps it up to the investigator, and the investigator is the one who does the reverse engineering, the malware, he's the guy who says, yes, this is on the customer network, yes, it's dialing out, I'm sending them a ticket. So our investigators are basically the captains of the SOC. They're the ones who, who ultimately hold the power. And we'll ha we have at least one per shift. And that's part of what makes our security operations center and by extension our ATA very, very likable to our customers is we have 24-hour seven days a week, someone is watching their network. Absolutely. And there's always an investigator on shift. So there's always somebody in the captain's chair. I have a question. Um, could you resolve the situation when the employee leaks some sensitive corporate data? How can you distinguish, does the employee send advertisement sheet or it's some sensitive spec for the product? Do you have some machine learning model maybe? Are you looking in regards to protecting someone else's data or internally? You, you, for example, corporate employee sends out outgoing email to the outside world which has sensitive uh, Mike's not on now. Thanks. So, so like an accident. So like an accidental release of information. There was a yeah, or maliciously. So either way, to see if you can detect it. If we consider complicated case, uh, it's encrypted. So employee encrypted something, you don't know what is inside, and it went to some unknown email address. There are various ways to detect that type of information based on each agency and what their rules and regulations are. So for each event, we would have that in a statement of work, and we would have an agreement to be able to do certain things. But there are various types of tools that can be utilized to find that information down to a file hash. What's also interesting is we're, I'm describing to you our advanced threat analytics for external customers. There's an internal version to Cisco specifically that is also watching our traffic. Correct. 
So they'll notice, oh, if we're sending something encrypted out to something that probably shouldn't be communicated to, they're going to flag it and let our managers know. I wonder, do you use any machine learning model? Because it's hard to check each email who sent what. It's in the pipeline. <laughs> we are working that's on that. Uh -huh. That's proprietary. That's really all I can say about it is that we're working on it. Any other questions before I move on? Good question. So our event correlation analysis, we identify suspicious patterns in data flow, which could be as much as someone just says, hey, this is something we see often enough. Let's write something for it that detects it to, hey, this IP address is coming up often enough. Let's, let's do a hunt to see if we can find that more. And it ends up being something that's, a camp that's part of a campaign. Pretty much everything we just walked through prior to coming through this with the various different levels of um, interaction between the analysts and, and what they're doing with their work. We also will have analysis using our vulnerability correlation. So syslogs, data logs, um, DNS logs. We have lots and lots of logs that we go digging through. Okay. Is that backwards? There we go. So we'll also have our indirect NetFlow analysis. So we will leverage NetFlow to export excuse me, leverage Cisco's NetFlow feature exported by network and security applications. So basically what that surmises as, we're going to look at the data. We're just exporting it. So deterministic rules-based are the snort rules I was talking about earlier, where we'll apply a rule on the preprocessor, data will hit it, and it'll flag yes or no, did it trip the rule. Our statistical analysis would be, do we see anomalous DNS traffic? So that could be um, traffic to a DNS server that a, com a company or corporation has never used before. And we'll see that over the course of days or weeks. We'll also have our heuristic analysis. So we look at a bunch of data. It's big, big data, the buzzword. <laughs> it is. <laughs> There's your, um, the zero day was on that slide. Yep. Uh, data science analysis, same thing, big data. And we're basically just crunching through it to see patterns and anomalous uh, indicators of compromise. That's a very intense um, analysis there. And then... There's your machine learning. Yeah, this is our the machine learning. Uh, we also use tons of metadata. And for our Essentials customers, we actually have no access to PCAP. We have none of their packet captures. We only have the metadata, and yet we still have to make calls on it. So getting used to not having the PCAP and just seeing the metadata, for example, where was the origin, the origin IP, where was it going, and is where it's going something anomalous to the customer? So is this, oh, it's a business partner in Europe, or is this some weird IP in China? So that in, automatically you can say, hey, yeah, this is bad. So this event correlation. Yeah, so our event correlation, inbound SQL slammer, which is uh, a variant of an exploit, where we'll, we have the target IP address, the port, source IP address, and its geolocation. So we know this metadata, we can flag it as anomalous. 
Does that make sense? I see, I see how you're in the data. Is good. Got Any it? questions? You went backwards. How did I go backwards? Mm. Netflow. Go. So, our Netflow is captured by devices, captured from devices by a centralized network collector such as StealthWatch. So basically, it's corroborating all the data together in a single packet, so we can look at it and analyze it for anomalies. So this could be getting all the DNS traffic together in one so that we can look at it as a whole versus individual DNS servers. Syslog message parsing. Yeah. Simple enough where we're given the syslog and we're given the messages and we look to see if there's anything in them that are odd. How do you deal with the, um, the sampling with NetFlow data? It's not really a full pack, packet capture. Right, it's metadata. So we deal with it the same way yeah, that but we... but it's also sampled. True, and it ultimately will end up dealing with how the customer wants us to handle it. A lot of the customers will, like for essentials, we don't get syslog data. For the premiere, we get syslog data, and then based on the syslog data, they'll have us do specific things with it. So, for example, if we know that there is um, data to specific like IP address that we know is bad. That's flagged, so. It'll be flagged, and we can corroborate it with the syslog data and see, oh, there are some machines on our network that are dialing out to that. So what data are you referring to? Is there something in addition to? Well, no, the, I mean, NetFlow is sampled, so I mean, that's a, that's a pretty basic case. Okay, I have a malicious IP, mm -hmm. but you're not really doing anomalous. I mean, anomalous detection is very difficult when, you're, when you don't have, when it's sampled data. Right. Because you're not really understanding the communication. So you can't take like statistical deviations of that. Like it's sampled. So I'm asking how, you know, you had a chart that was characterizing, you know, this is a particular worm or whatever, but that's all sampled data. So that's, there's a lot of context to that. It right. isn't really, right. I mean, that's kind of like false statistics right there, right? Like, so think of it more like, I, yeah. I've worked with NetFlow for a decade, right. so. Okay. So I personally haven't done any of the NetFlow stuff. The closest thing that I got to doing with it was working on a project with DNS data. And we took a year's worth of DNS data from a customer. So terabytes and terabytes of information. And this customer we knew had a breach. So we were trying to corroborate the data saying, oh, okay, so do we see some anomalous DNS traffic? We did. But the, the trouble was getting the data to set, instead of just having a hunch where we could just say by eye, this is weird, trying to actually get the data to prove that that's what it was. So, yes, it's, it's totally about context. Interesting. I'd like to have an offline discussion. That's yeah. good. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, machine learning queries, which that's definitely in the work have not actually gotten to work with it too much. So our proactive customization, which we look at all the big security contenders, McAfee, Kaspersky, all of them, and get together, and by get together, I mean, they'll say what, what bad stuff happened at what time, and 
the security community is very tight-knit. So if Facebook finds something, some anomaly or vulnerability, they're going to share it. So we're watching that. If we find something, we'll share it. So it's basically updating all of our tools with whatever everyone else has found so that they can find all the newest threats. So very quickly, we're going to run through ATA threat hunting. Here's the cyber kill chain. It's due to the amount of time that we have. So I have to get 20 minutes late. I <laughs> so the cyber kill chain is basically the steps that malware goes through in order to basically get your machine. And it'll be from the basically all the way from hitting your machine and looking at it to finally ex exfiltrating data. So right here is the cyber kill chain, recon, lure, redirect, the exploit kit, dropper files, the call home, and finally the data theft, which is the exfiltration. So we try, our, our goal is to try to hit this as early in the chain as we can. The earlier in the chain you can hit it, the better off you are. Absolutely. So our management cycle is reactive in, and in my opinion, that's unfortunate, but that has to deal with the nature of the, of the business. We have to be reactive. Absolutely. So. There also is proactive as well. Right. It's just, you can get in trouble if you do proactive too proactively. And it's catered per each client. So each network, each in, um, infrastructure, they have their own types of uh, security policies that they deal with and different um, various agencies that they also get compliance from. So they have different things that they do. So we have to comply to that for them. Some attacks and, det and detection. So Angular Exploit Kit, how many of you guys are familiar with, well, let me ask that first question. How many of you are familiar with an exploit kit? All right. Awesome. That's more than I thought. So for those of you who don't know what an exploit kit is, it's basically software that's tailored to a certain exploit. So in Adobe, if there's a certain exploit, a kit will be created to use it. And the purpose of the exploit kit is to use the exploit to put bad software on whatever's running it. So Angular's kind of died out because a lot of the people that wrote it have been caught. Um, Dire banking malware. So it's basically hooks into the browser to steal your uh, to steal credentials. So you you're typing the browser, and captures it propagates. It, which is the scariest kind of malware is the kind that propagates. Exactly. So Talos reverse engineered it. What you see up there is basically its functionality in a flowchart. So Talos has also created new detection methods to analyze basically the indicators of compromise for it. Thank you. So the different type of interfaces that are utilized for an analyst to do their searches and um, investigations once they uh, start at the initial triage of an incident. Um, here is the advanced threat analytics threat detection example for Drydex. Shows you the DCAP correlation and analysis. So then we also have, for example, it's like right here, it's got our Elasticsearch, it's got our packet capture, and our metadata extraction, Bro. which is through Bro and NetFlow generation. So more on the example for Drydex, where 
it's being flagged by the IP address. That's what ultimately gets flagged. And then once the connection was observed, the investigator searched for correlating events. So basically, our tier one says, this is a known bad IP. Our tier two said, this is definitely giving out bad stuff. And our investigator finally says, all right, let's go hunting for it on their network. So we were hoping that we could walk you through a different, um, a detailed investigation with an, anal an analyst and what they do uh, with ATA on some of the things that they're analyzing. And this is to show you some of the information that they'll see. So the server is located in Russia. Generally, our two known bads is if we see companies communicating in Russia or China and they explicitly told us we don't deal in China or Russia, that's bad. Um, server gave a post so we know it's still live. Then here we'll have the packet cap part of the packet capture. So they can it was obfuscated. So it makes it very hard for human eyes to read right. and, and work. So we try to write programs that will help deobfuscate the code, so Java code is very, very common. That's the code that was found that was buried in everything. This is how we ultimately will sanitize it. So to make sure that insert person from company here doesn't accidentally click on the bad link and get it, we'll sanitize it like so. Take a picture of a picture of another picture and insert it to where it's non-touchable. Here's uh, the, where it was downloaded, so the temp directory as this dshhh.exe. So we were able to actually say where it got downloaded, and it was flagged as malware by 7 out of 57 programs, so we definitely let them know about it. So I know we were short on time, and we walked you through some of the um, integral steps that are taken um, when someone is looking at particular information for a compromise on anyone's network, especially with any of our clientele. Um, does anyone have any questions, thoughts, concerns? We're going to be here after. Mm -hmm. So if you have time to stay, we can answer questions that weren't answered during the broadcast. Absolutely. All right, thank you. Thank you.